0: Howdy, and welcome to the 10-Week Bible Study. This is week 10, day one of our study of Acts. I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs, and today we're talking about Acts 27, 1-12. Well, Welcome back to the 10-Week Bible Study. Again, I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs. Would you join me as we pray before we start today? Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us? God, speak to us. Touch our hearts today from your word. We want to encounter you and know you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's jump into God's Word. I'll be reading today from the NIV. This is Acts 27, starting in verse 1. When it was decided that we should sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. I don't know if this means the Praetorian Guard or if this is a different group. There's different thoughts on this, but whatever it is, it sounds important and sounds like he's actually from Rome. And so, you know, he's new to Paul and that's going to come into play here. We're going to see that that actually matters because I I think Luke is going to make the point here that the Roman guards up to this point, they've been around Paul long enough and they've seen Paul and they've probably seen maybe some miracles or just different things. I, I don't know. I he doesn't say that, but I think he certainly alludes to it. And so I almost wonder if if Luke is making the point here. This guy's new, he's not from around here, and uh, and that's going to matter to the story. We'll we'll see why in a little bit. Verse two. We boarded a ship from Adamitium about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. The next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so that they might provide for his needs. So we see here that Paul is under some kind of a loose arrest, and it's not clear, Luke doesn't tell us that a guard went with Paul, but it, it almost seems like, certainly he would have sent someone with Paul, but he's letting him kind of go under his own auspices to go see friends so they can actually give him stuff for the journey. Because essentially, for the most part, if you didn't want to just, I think, eat, eat gruel and and subsist off of whatever the Romans decided to give you on, on these kinds of you know, prisons and prison journeys, you know, you might actually rot and and die from the food they would give you. So Paul is getting stuff to, to make his life probably more bearable on this trip. Maybe it's not something that the other inmates were allowed to do, but he understands that Paul, uh, I'm sure he's read his letter and Paul is, um, he's probably thinking Paul's not a flight risk because he's just been kind of held under semi house arrest under loose guard for two years. And you know, now he's on this trip, so he, and he's not a violent guy. So he knows that he's, he's not a flight risk, and he's not a risk to beat anybody up. And so he's, he's giving him some freedoms here, but he's still along for the journey against his will, sort of. Verse 4, <clears throat> we put out to sea again and pass to the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. When we had sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Lycia. So if if you're following along here, look up a Bible map. Look up a Bible map online. There's really none of them that are, are wrong that I've ever seen about this. So you can get a good picture of where they're going. This would be in most Bible maps considered Paul's, uh, fourth missionary journey, or his journey to Rome, depending on how they they list it. And so, this is uh, essentially we've we've gone north of Cyprus, and we're on the southern coast of Turkey, and we're now in kind of like southwest Turkey, and then we're going to be going into the Aegean Sea and and to some of the islands there. But Myra is in uh, uh, on what we call the southern coast of modern day Turkey. Verse six. There, the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Nidus. Then the wind did not allow us to hold our course. We sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite Salmone. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens, near the town of Lazia. Much time had been lost and sailing had already become difficult. Dangerous because it was now after the Day of Atonement. So what it, what it's saying is it's like October ish. It's getting late in the year, and as winter starts to set in, the weather gets bad on the Mediterranean. And they all know that you know they've got a, kind of a cutoff day where they need to winter somewhere. We're going to see that, and because it's it's just not safe to keep sailing on the Mediterranean after a certain period of time. This is why travel could take a very long time. And and remember, they don't have an ocean liner. They don't have a, a cruise ship that they're on. The wind is driving them. And so, for them to to go, they're kind of at the at the mercy of the wind. And there's different techniques. It's very interesting if you've ever looked into how to sail. Uh, you can actually you know make these different cuts. You can go back and forth. And even if the wind is going against you, you can still sail into the wind. But if the wind is strong enough, it just means that even by doing these maneuvers, you still can't move very quickly. And so the wind is coming against them. So they're still able to move against the wind using these, these sailing techniques, but they're not able to do it very quickly. And so they're losing time, right? They're just kind of inching along the coast. And so now they've arrived to essentially the south side of the island of Crete. And that's where we're going to see that they're going to, uh, uh, they're going to dock there. And, and this is where it's going to come in that this guy doesn't have enough experience with Paul. Uh, verse 10. So Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo into our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Luke is putting this in there and pausing right here. This is so interesting to me because I always wonder as I'm I'm reading scripture, you know, there's times in like the the gospel of John where John gives us almost no details on things where it's like, I want to know more about this, John. Why aren't you telling me the the people and the, the names and faces and the details about all of this? And why aren't you giving me more detail? And then with Luke, at times it's like wow this is incredibly detailed about stuff that i can't understand the importance of but you know as in understanding the geography and just how all of this is playing out i think this is is very important to the storyline here is that it's not just that Paul is is prophetic in nature. And I think this is prophetic what he's telling them. I think the Lord has spoken to Paul and I think Luke is making it clear that he's spoken to Paul. But I think he's also trying to draw a picture here that's like, you don't have to be a prophet to make this declaration. This is like, this has been difficult and difficult. This is not a good idea. Everyone can see this. Now, again, I think Luke is is... He's not saying it. He doesn't say it. So I don't know this for sure, but I think Paul has uh, prophetic understanding. I think the Lord has spoken to Paul about what's coming. But again, with all of these details, it wouldn't take a prophet to, to see this coming. Now, to the, the Roman guard, Julius, to his credit, right? If you don't know Paul, you don't know anything that's going on, who are you going to listen to? You're going to listen to your inmate? who, you know, yeah, he's traveled, but he's not a professional sailor. I mean, he's a he's a theologian. Are you going to listen to him or are you going to listen to the captain and the owner of the ship that you're on? Whose advice are you going to take in this situation? To his credit, you know, I mean the, the ship was going to sail regardless, right? The the pilot, the captain and the the owner of the ship, they were going to sail. And so the the option for Julius and all of his inmates is stay on the ship or get off and winter in this town and wait for another ship to come by to get them to Rome. Those are the options for them, but the ship is obviously on its way. And so maybe there's some dispute and and he's considering it because he's thinking like this is this is not great. And maybe the owner of the ship is like saying, Hey, you boarded the ship at, you know, and said you're gonna pay this fare. I'm not refunding your money if you get off here. And, you know, there's probably some kind of that consideration going on. And and, you know, even though he's from Rome, I'm sure he's still got a budget for these kinds of things and Julius isn't gonna just spend more money for an extra you know a second trip to Rome when the first one didn't work out and so there's probably some of those kinds of real world things going on again the text doesn't say that I'm reading into the text on that but these are when you I think when you read these kinds of things over and over and over again like I encourage you to on the 10 week study when you're reading through these things and you see this for the the sixth seventh eighth ninth tenth time as you're reading through it once a week, you can start to see some of the real world things that are popping up. You start to see, and I'm appreciative. I'm not saying, wow, Luke, you've given us too much detail. I'm appreciative for this detail. Actually, in like the the gospel of John, I'm like, John, I want more detail. right? So I love this kind of detail, and as you... Read through this over and over again. I really do believe that you start to get more of a human picture, a real world picture. That these are real people in real time making real decisions. I mean, you can probably put yourself in these situations. If you've ever had a a car breakdown on a vacation, and you're trying to figure out what do we do about that, right? It's like there's there's you've got these big plans, and then something breaks in and and ruins your plans. I mean, how many times have you tried to go on a trip and and the weather's bad and you can't fly out or you get stuck in an airport or, you know, things like that happen. And so how do you deal with that? And, and there's, there's, I'm supposed to be here at this time, but also I can't afford to just go get a different ticket here. I've got to work with this airline. You know, you've got all of those constraints. And I think all of those things are, are, are just as real to this decision, uh, this ill-fated decision and they don't understand that they've got a believer, a prophetic person who knows the God who created the universe. They don't realize who they've got on board, and they're not listening to him. Verse 12. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter, and the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix in winter there. This was a harbor in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest. And so again, this is this is on the south, uh, almost the, the central south side of the island of Crete. And so the boat can't stay there is what they're saying. And so it's either that they sail on or they go back east where the wind is driving them in winter there, but they know that the boat can't stay there for winter. Probably the way the harbor is situated, it would just, you know, smash the boats together or something. I don't understand why it couldn't winter there, but... They knew that it couldn't. And so so they decide to sail on. Again, I think the ship is going on no matter what. And the decision for Julius is, does he throw away the money that he spent on this or does he just stay on board? And, you know, do I listen to my inmate or do I listen to the guy that actually owns the ship who doesn't want to put it in jeopardy? And he goes with that guy. And again, had he known who was on board, Maybe if the, the guards who had been with Paul for the last two years, or the better part of the last two years, maybe if they were the ones making this decision, they would have made a different decision. But this guy's only known Paul for a few weeks at this point, and he's not going to listen to his inmate. And as it turns out, that was a bad decision. For the 10-Week Bible Study, I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time.